Welcome to the Faith Talk podcast. We're excited you are listening today. Prepare to be challenged and inspired through today's episode. We pray that every fear is dispelled and your faith is increased as you hear the word of God. Now, let's listen in with our host, Caleb Schaefer. Tonight, I want us to turn to Romans chapter 8 and uh, start at verse 14. Because I believe that we are in a time of crisis. We're in a time of crisis. And the crisis that we are in in the body of Christ is an identity crisis. There's an identity crisis going on all around us in the, in the natural and in the world and in the body of Christ. And uh, it's important to know who we are in, in Christ Jesus. It's important to know who you are, who you, who you belong to, and the authority and dominion that you have going forward in these last days. Because you're not a nobody. You're not a nobody. You're somebody. You matter. You're on the map. And, uh, and I want to read from Romans chapter 8, verse 14, and we're going to go right down through 17. The Bible says this, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of slavery again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. Father God, I thank you tonight for your word. I thank you that it is true. I thank you, God, that we don't have to doubt it. We can take it at face value. And God, everything you've told us is going to come to pass. So God, I claim these words for my brothers and sisters tonight as we study your word, as we talk about it. God, I pray that you would breathe fresh breath, breathe fresh anointing and revelation on this word for everyone at the sound of my voice, whether they're in person or online. And God, I pray that you would give us this revelation that we are not just drifters. We're not God, just nomads, but God, we belong. We belong. God, we have a father and God, we belong to the kingdom. So God, tonight, I thank you for this word and I pray that you bless it in Jesus name. Amen. This passage of scripture tells us we're not slaves. We are children of God. We we have the ability to go to God and say, Abba, Father. He's our Father. He is our, our Lord. He is, he is where we belong. When you have a Father, you have someone that you belong to. You have someone that protects you. You have someone that watches over you. You have someone that, that you are, are a participant in everything that they participate in. When I go to, uh, to go, go to certain stores, uh, my dad shops at Harbor Freight, and I don't. But I need to go there every once in a while. So when I go into Harbor Freight, they ask for... A, f- a phone number for an account. And when I go in there, I don't have an account, but my dad does. So when I go in there, I give them my dad's name and number and they're like, okay, here's your discount. When you have a father, you have special privileges under him. You have special care and special resources that are available to you. And we have a father. 
We have a father who is in heaven and we belong to him. But we're living in this time where there is an identity crisis. There's an identity crisis in every facet of society going on right now. There's an identity crisis in every area of society. And we're living in a time where, where we've seen identity crisis like never before. Men don't know whether they're men and women don't know whether they're women. They don't know whether to go in a, in a men's bathroom or a women's bathroom. Kids aren't what God created them to be. They're, they're told to, well, just let your kids grow up and then they can choose what they want to be. These are identity crises. And this whole generation coming up is confused. And it's not just the younger generation because I see it in the middle age generation and I see it in the older generation as well. There's confusion about who they are. There are people that have been married for 30 and 35 years that, that figure out that they don't like where they're at and, and they need to go find something new because their identity is off. They, they can't figure out who they are or where they belong. Men that are 50 years old will go buy a hot sports car and, and they'll go into all sorts of debt trying to return to some sort of youthful phase. And women that are 50 years old will go get surgery trying to find the fountain of youth and, and get a nip and a tuck and, and try to make themselves look younger because they, their identity is found in something other than God. Their identity is not found in Christ. And, and there's this whole society that has been living on social media for so long that they're relying on Facebook likes and, and Instagram likes and, and they're relying on Snapchat and, and somebody to tell them they look good and, and give them a compliment so that they can get a serotonin boost and they don't know who they are. They, they want to see who they can get the most likes from or who they can get the most compliments from and they're, they're, they're unvalidated. This whole generation that's coming up is an unvalidated generation. They don't have anybody telling them that they're loved. They don't have anybody telling them that they're cared about and that they're important. They're raising themselves. We have a whole generation growing up like weeds. As my grandma used to say, nobody takes care of them and nobody cares. And so we have all these factors playing in to this identity crisis that we're seeing. And the identity crisis is far greater than anything we could ever imagine. And it's not just out in the world, it's also in the church because there's an identity crisis in the church. Uh, people don't know who they are in Christ. People don't know where they belong. People don't know what their, their authority is. They don't know what their resources are in the kingdom. They don't know that they can command a devil to go. They don't know that they can command sickness to leave. They don't know who they are. They don't know they have a father. And I believe that we have forgotten who we are. Many people have forgotten who they are. There's a movie that came out a few years back that there was a young prince and he goes and one of his caretakers takes him and he stands before his father and, and the prince is standing there and the father looks at him and says, remember who you are. Remember who you belong to. Remember whose you are. Remember who you are. And many people have forgotten who they are. They just don't know who they are in the body of Christ. They don't know that they have an identity in Christ that affords them certain things. And, and it allows them to go forward. And if the enemy can get to your identity, he can get to your purpose. If the enemy can 
squash your identity, he can squash your purpose. Because all he has to do is come in and make you feel like you're not good enough and come in and make you feel like you have no authority. Come in and make you feel like you don't belong, that God doesn't care about you, that God doesn't love you, that there's absolutely no way with everything that you've done that God could even care a little bit about you. And he can squash your purpose if he can get to your identity. The, the devil doesn't come in and tell you you're, you're not able to go and, and talk to somebody about Jesus right off the bat. He'll look at everything you've done and he'll say, you can't talk to people about Jesus because because of this and he attacks your identity but tonight I came here to tell you that it's not about you the attack of the enemy on your life is not about you at all the attack of the enemy on your life is because you are to be salt and light in the earth and you are to let your light so shine before men, the Bible says, that you're supposed to be a bright light and you're supposed to not be hidden and the enemy will get you to hide if he can get you to think that you don't have an identity. If he can get you wishy-washy on your identity. The devil isn't attacking you because he wants to attack you. He's attacking you because you have a purpose. And there are people that you're supposed to reach. And there's somebody that you're supposed to tell about Jesus. And all of us have a job in the kingdom in these last days. Everybody has a purpose in the kingdom in these last days. But if the devil can attack your identity, he will not let you go forward to fulfill that purpose. If the devil can get you to forget who you are, he doesn't have to do much else because you go into self-destruct mode automatically. You'll go into self-destruct mode if you think you're nobody. You'll go into self-destruct mode if you think that you don't have a purpose, that you're not called, that you're not worth it, that, that there's no way that God could love you. You'll go into self-destruct mode on your own. And he doesn't have to tempt you if he can just forget get you to forget who you belong to and that you belong in the palace, you'll run into sin yourself. You'll start sinning yourself. Why? Because Satan is a master manipulator. Satan is a master manipulator. He, he's been doing this thing forever. He's been manipulating. He manipulated the angels. He manipulated everything he could manipulate. He, he lied and told stories, and, and he tried to get everybody to follow him. He was able to convince a third of the angels to follow him, and he does the same thing to you. He manipulates your thoughts, and he manipulates your mind, and, and, and he can do a really good job of it. But look at what God did for you. Imagine the, the devil has such a, a, a stronghold on this world. He has such a death grip on this world that he's able to convince uh, that which Christ came to die for that they're absolutely worthless and they have no purpose. Jesus Christ paid the highest price for you. He paid the highest price for you. He he claimed you as his own. He said, they're the apple of my eye. They're the, they're the very heart that I have. And he died for you and he came down and laid aside his glory. And the devil, his job right now is convincing you that you weren't worth it. That it's, that Jesus doesn't love you, that God doesn't care about you, that you have no purpose. He is a master manipulator. And if he can beat you down, he'll do it all sorts of ways. He'll get you torn down and he'll kick you when you're down. He'll take 
take you as far as he can take you into the depths of despair, thinking that you have no purpose and you have no identity. He uses people to say things and do things to you. He'll use rejection. He'll use, he'll use rejection from your parents when you were growing up. He'll use something a teacher said to you or, or something a friend said to you. He'll use something your family said to you. You'll get turned down for a relationship. They'll, they'll say no when you were interested or you'll get turned down for a job offer or a promotion. He'll remind you of your past. He'll, he'll bring up all the bad things that have ever happened in your life and he'll make you think that because there's been a string of bad things that bad things can only continue to happen. You see, the devil knows what he's doing and a lot of the time he will use the people around you to do the most. He will use the people around you to work on you the greatest amount. You see, it's not about what was said, it's about who said it. It's not about somebody told you they didn't like you. It was who told you they didn't like you. Because it was somebody you thought was close to you and somebody you thought cared about you and somebody that was supposed to be there for you and have your back. It was somebody that you thought was going to be with you until the end. Somebody that was, that was your ride or die. Somebody that was there with you through thick and thin and then all of a sudden they turn on you and they say something or do something to you. If it was somebody off the street, a stranger or somebody you didn't care about, it wouldn't matter. But it was because they were close to you that it hurt so bad. And the devil will use that. He will use your family. He will use your close friends. He will use the people that you are closest with to try to beat you down as much as he can. He will use the people that you're closest with to attack your identity. Whatever the method, he's trying to make you forget that you're a child of the king. He's trying to make you forget that you belong in the palace He's trying to make you forget that you have an inheritance according to Romans chapter 8. He's trying to make you forget that you are a co-heir. He's trying to make you forget that you're not a slave. He's trying to make you forget that you've been adopted and you have a father. He's trying to make you forget that so you will go back into slavery, so you will go back into everything that you were bound up in, so that you will go backwards and forget that you are a child of the king when he does that you stop acting like a prince or a princess and you start acting like a peasant you stop acting like a prince or a princess you start acting like a pagan if the devil can convince you you're trash you'll start acting like trash and that's what's happening in the body of Christ today. The devil has worked on the body of Christ for so long with little thoughts and little offenses and little things that have come in that people have said and done. And he's used those to convince people that they are worthless and they are nothing in the kingdom of God. And there's absolutely no way that they can be used. He'll convince you that you're a failure. He'll convince you that you're a disappointment. He'll convince you that you're ha you have absolutely no use and no worth. And when he does that, then you start acting that way. You start acting like you have no worth. You start acting like you have no purpose. There are certain ways that king's kids act. Certain ways that king's kids act when you're in the palace. 
You're obedient. You have integrity. You're always in proper form and never out of line. Not because of rules, but because you understand that you love the king and you represent a kingdom. That you are a representative, you are an ambassador, you are someone that is out in front to to represent the kingdom of God to other people. And what the devil does is he will get you to start falling into sin. He'll get you to start acting like you have no purpose and no worth and no identity so that you will go into sin and other people who were watching you were thinking that you were a good representative of the kingdom and you were a good prince or a good princess. You were a good co-heir and they were looking at you thinking you were an example and the next thing you know you're out doing things that they're looking at and saying well I wouldn't have even done that I wouldn't have even gone that far and they think that's okay because you're doing it and you're a Christian you see we've got to guard our identity we've got to fight to protect our identity And it's not that God cannot redeem your identity, but it takes a lot of pressure and it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of heartache that you'd rather not go through when God has to work with you to get your identity back. It's better to never lose it. It's better to keep a hold of it. It's better to know who you are and act like you're a somebody than to fall into everything that the devil's trying to get you to fall into. When you're a child of the king, you serve the kingdom purposes and you try to bring other people into the kingdom instead of driving people away. And people are watching you. Let me just say that again, very slowly and very clearly. People are watching you. If they've watched you for any amount of time and they've seen you and they've seen your lifestyle and they know you go to church and they know you post scriptures and they know that you're a follower of of God, people are watching you to see what you do. And just because you're not up here doesn't mean that they're not watching you. You've got coworkers and you've got friends and you've got family members and you've got a lot of people keeping their eye on you to see what you're going to do. And they're using you as their plumb line. They're using you as their litmus test for how they're supposed to act. And they try to get close to you and they try to act close to you because they know that you follow Christ. They want to get close, just not close enough to come to church. But when you start acting a fool and when you start going crazy and start acting like you have no purpose they think it's okay what they're doing too and when you forget who you are and you forget that you have an identity all kinds of mess will ensue I promise all kinds of mess will come and it will be hurtful and there will be heartache, and there will be pain, and there will be unnecessary suffering. So it's time to remember who we are. Time to remember who we are. There are many examples in the Bible of people that forgot who they were. Jonah forgot who he was supposed to be, and when God told him to go to Nineveh and preach, he ran the other direction. He was a prophet of God. He forgot who he was. And he ran the other way and he ended up in the belly of a great fish. And Noah forgot who he was and got drunk one night and brought a curse on his whole family. And 
David forgot who he was, the king, and he committed adultery with someone's wife and then had her husband killed. Samson forgot who he was, a Nazarite, and he laid his head in the lap of a Philistine named Delilah and he lost his anointing and his power. And Peter forgot who he was, the rock on whom the church would be built. And when it all came down to it, he ran from the Romans in the Sanhedrin and denied that he ever knew who Jesus was. Elijah forgot who he was and ran and hid from Jezebel and begged God to die. Do you see the dangers of forgetting who you are? You see the dangers of forgetting your identity. We need to know who we are and remind ourselves every day. How does that happen? You gotta know what this says. You gotta know what this says about you. You don't know what this says? You're not gonna know who you are. You don't know the scriptures, what God told you you were and who he says you are and what he says about you? You're gonna act any old way. But this right here tells us who we are. And whether we look at ourselves in the mirror and see exactly what the word of God says, we've gotta take God at his word. You might, you might look at yourself in the mirror and not see who God says you are. Your circumstances might not feel like what God says you are, but I promise you if it's in the word, it's true. When you know who you are, when you know who you are and you know who you belong to, you become unstoppable. If God be for me, who can be against me? I have a father and nothing is impossible for him. I have a father and he paid for my healing. I have a father and he paid for me to be able to walk in signs and wonders and anointing in the power of the Holy Ghost. I have a father and he paid for my family to be saved. I have a father and he paid for my prodigal child to come into the kingdom. I have a father and he paid it all. And he has all that I need. He will supply all my needs according to his riches in glory, which are in Christ Jesus. He has everything that I need. And so when you know who you are and you know who you belong to, then you change your talk, you change your walk, you change how you act, you change everything. First Peter 2.9 says this, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession that you may declare the goodness of him who has called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. You are not just a nobody. You are a somebody. You're not just some, some trash that was found along the road. You're somebody that 
Jesus came down from heaven and died on a cross for. You're somebody that God wanted. You're somebody that he still wants. And there's nothing you've done and there's nothing you're going to do that's going to make him change his mind about you. So you better just settle it and you better just get it down in your heart that God loves you and God wants you and he paid for you and you are his child and you are accepted. You are secure. There is provision for you. There is love for you and there's absolutely nothing the devil can do about it unless he convinces you you don't have an identity. When you have an identity and a father and you know you're loved, you know you got backup. I got backup. I'm not in this thing alone. I'm not in this thing alone. You know, when you were out on the playground and, and somebody started picking on you and you had somebody that was bigger and meaner than you, that was your friend, and you could say, hey, and they'd come over and just step into the situation and the other person would just back off because they knew that there was nothing they could do about the situation. There was nothing they could do to fight this bigger person. Well, that's how God is with you. God's the bigger one. God's the, God's the, the better one. And he is going to step into the situation when you understand who you are and you got backup. And the thing is, we've got to determine it in our minds. We're not just King's kids on Sunday. We're not just King's kids on Sunday. We're not just a king's kid when we're in church. We're not just a king's kid when we're in front of people. I'm a king's kid when I'm at work and I'm a king's kid when I'm at school and I'm a king's kid when I'm with friends and I'm a king's kid when I'm alone in my bedroom and I'm a king's kid when I'm with my girlfriend or when you're with your boyfriend and I'm a king's kid when I'm mad and I'm a king's kid when I'm frustrated and I'm a king's kid when I'm sad and I got to remember that I'm a king's kid because if I remember that I belong to the king, if I remember I've got a father and, and he's in heaven and he loves me, then I won't just act any old certain way when I get upset. I won't just act any old certain way when I'm all alone. I won't just act any old certain way whether people are looking or whether people are not looking. And that's how important it is to understand who you are. Because when you understand who you are in Christ and you understand that you represent your dad's kingdom... It changes how you act. It changes how you act. It changes who you spend time with. It changes what you do. It changes how much time you waste. It changes how much time you spend doing things that you shouldn't be doing. It changes. It changes everything. And so many people forget that they belong to the king. So many people forget that God has a purpose that he wants to fulfill for their lives. And they struggle because they don't understand who they are. Who they are. There's a great man of God who wrote an article and it was called Treasures in Prison Cells. Treasures in prison cells. The gist of the article was that 
everyone who ends up in prison, don't you think the devil is going to try to attack the people that God wants to use the most and convince them that they have no worth so that they'll go out and get on drugs and commit crimes? Don't you think that the devil wants the people who would be the most anointed in ministry to be in the deepest sin? Don't you think that he's trying to do that? He's scared. He's scared, so he uses these tactics to try to convince you that you don't have an identity. And if he can do that, he'll start at a young age. He'll start when someone's little and they get rejected. He'll start when someone's little and they get exposed to drugs and alcohol at a young age and get hooked. He'll start when they're little and they see something on the television that they shouldn't see. He'll start when they're little and he'll plant seeds. And he waits for those seeds to grow and he cultivates those seeds by adding more rejection and more pain and more hurt. And over the years, those seeds take deep roots and those roots go way down. And then people start acting like they're nobody. And they get into things that they shouldn't be getting into. And they chase things that they would never have chased if they knew that they were a king's kid. And they knew that their validation came from heaven. And they knew that their love and acceptance and peace and joy came from heaven. If they knew that, they wouldn't be chasing the things that they're chasing. But they're chasing all sorts of things, trying to get validation that only heaven can offer and trying to get peace that only heaven can offer. And pastor preaches that message, the God-shaped hole in your heart. And it's the same concept. They're chasing after those things because they're trying to fill that hole that was created by hurt. They're trying to fill that hole that was created by pain with all the world's trappings and all the world, the things the world has to offer. And when you chase those things, uh, you never really get fulfilled. There's always uh, an emptiness and always a void until you find Jesus Christ and until you fully surrender to him, until you get your identity from him. One person explained it as the ick. He said, there's an ick. And every time I go and commit the sin, it goes away for a little bit, a few minutes, a couple hours, but then the ick comes back and I feel icky again. And no matter what I do and no matter how I try to fill that void and make the ick go away, the ick always comes back. And at the end of the evening, I'm alone feeling yucky. And that is the case when we enter into sin and we don't understand who we are in Jesus Christ. Because he's the only one that can make the ick go away. He's the only one that can make that feeling of downtroddenness and emptiness and the unfulfilled feeling. He's the only one that can make that go away. And so we've got to understand 
where our identity comes from and get it down on the inside of us. Because otherwise, the ick will just follow you around everywhere you go. And you can try to fill it with drugs and you can try to fill it with alcohol. You can try to fill it with money and more education. You can try to fill the ick with, with a bigger house or a bigger car. You can try to fill the ick with whatever. You can try to fill the ick with another person to sleep with. You can try to fill the ick with all sorts of things. Uh, but at the end of the day, no promotion and no amount of money and no house and no, no amount of vacations and trips and no amount of any sort of sin that you commit will ever make that ick go away. The only way that that will go away is if you know who you are in Jesus Christ and you fully surrender everything to him. And that's a big part of people's identity problem is that they refuse to surrender everything. Refuse to surrender everything. God, you can have this part of my life over here, but there's this little part here that I just want to keep a hold of. And if you don't mind, I'd still really like to be mad and hold a grudge against that person that said something to me 10 years ago. And I, I just can't get over that. But you can have all this stuff. And when we do that, we allow the enemy a door to come in and begin to tell us about our identity, that we don't have one. We've got to fully surrender to our Father. When you're a king's kid, you don't have a life outside of the palace and a life inside the palace. You got one life. And you don't get to make all the choices on your own because there are protocols and there are certain things that you have to do. But I want to encourage you to seek God for your identity throw away this identity crisis and get down in the word of God and let's help other people too. Let's help other people know their identity in Jesus. Because there are a lot of people that are coming in that are real fresh and real green and real young. And we've got to begin to tell them who they are in Christ too. We can't tell them who they are in Christ if we don't know who we are in Christ. There are a lot of seasoned churchgoers in here tonight and a lot of people who have been in this thing for more than a few years. And we've got to begin to train people up and disciple people, let them know who they are in Christ. I want us to stand to our feet tonight. And I want to, first of all, pray. I know we have an online audience. I would imagine that most of the people in this building tonight are saved, but we have an online audience tonight. And I'd like to take an opportunity to pray the sinner's prayer with you. If you don't know Jesus, you can know him today. Greatest decision you'll ever make. You look around at everything going on in the world right now, and it's crazy. It's just getting worse. Somebody said, well, what's the answer? The answer is Jesus is coming back. It's going to keep getting worse until he does. And so you need to know him so that when he comes back, you can go be with him. You don't want to be left here when Jesus comes back. I promise you that. 
And if you want to know Jesus, or if you've been backslidden, you've been running from God, you've been doing all sorts of things that you know God wouldn't approve of, maybe you had a relationship with him at one point, but you've walked away, I want to pray this sinner's prayer, and I'm going to ask everybody in here to just pray it along with me. And you can pray it, mean it in your heart. If you do, I encourage you to message us on that Facebook page as soon as we end the broadcast tonight. Just say this prayer. Say, Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I confess that I'm a sinner, but I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross. I believe his blood has the power to cleanse me from sin. So wash me in the blood. Forgive me of every sin. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I want to pray a prayer over everyone tonight that we would know our identity in Christ. Father God, I pray that you would reassure us. God, let us know who we are in you. Let us know that we have purpose. Let us know that we are worthy. Let us know that we have validation in you. Let us know, God, that there is love and joy and peace for us. God, that we are your children and we have been adopted. We're no longer slaves, God, but we've been adopted and we can cry, Abba, Father. I thank you, God, that you have made us co-heirs. I thank you, God, that we are, are in, the, in the palace with you. God, that we have an inheritance in you. And God, we have a purpose in you. God, I thank you that we're not nobodies, but God, we are so important to you. And God, I pray that you would reassure anyone that's questioning that tonight. God, I pray peace and joy and love down over your children. God, we love you tonight. And now, Lord, we pray over this prayer table in the name of Jesus. I pray for every need that's represented on there. God, heal the sick. Heal the sick tonight in the name of Jesus. God, let the same power that raised Jesus from the dead quicken their mortal bodies. I, I pray cancer would go. I pray diabetes and high blood pressure, heart disease, uh, joint pain in the name of Jesus. I pray that lung problems and respiratory problems would go. Cognitive problems would go in the name of Jesus. And God, that people would be set free. God, break every chain of addiction and bondage that's on that table right now. Break it tonight in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, that the Holy Ghost would fall wherever those people are at, even now. God, fall right where they're at. Convict them of sin. Make them bow their knee in the name of Jesus. Draw their heart to you. God, I pray for the ones that are in that basket for salvation, family members and loved ones who need to be saved. God, draw them in. God, I pray that you would chase them down. Run after them, God, wherever they're at right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray that they would feel so disgusted and disappointed in their sin that they would turn to you. God, let them get no satisfaction in sin. Let sin not be pleasurable in the name of Jesus. God, let them not, not want to taste it. Let them not want to put it in their arm. In the name of Jesus, I pray that it wouldn't even work, God. Let them turn from from it because God it ain't working in the name of Jesus I thank you for turning them from their sin and I thank you God for putting that hedge of thorns like Hosea said around them drive them back home in the name of Jesus and drive the ones who are pulling them away from you away from them God I pray that the enemy would flee from them right now in the name of Jesus that he would loose his hold and God that they would come to know you 
Lord, we praise you tonight because, God, we know that we've surely met with you in this place this evening. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Faith Talk podcast. If you would like to connect with the host, you can do so on Facebook at Caleb Schaefer Ministry, on Instagram at Caleb underscore Schaefer, or by visiting www.calebschaefer.com. Be sure to check out Caleb's worship albums on iTunes, Amazon Music, and wherever digital music is sold or streamed. If you've been encouraged today, please share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. May God bless you, and remember to tune in next week for another episode of the Faith Talk Podcast.